Are you looking for the spot to kick back, relax, and talk all things Southern Miss? Well, you're in the right place. No need for the calculator here, Poindexter. We're average Joes who are passionate fans. This is for Southern Miss fans by Southern Miss fans. Welcome to the Everyday Eagles Podcast. Hey, 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 everybody, and welcome to this episode of Everyday Eagles Podcast, where we're continuing to talk to some Southern Miss greats in our uh, installment of Where Are They Now? Uh, first, I want to introduce my incredible co-host, Mr. Lane Brady. What's up, Lane? What's up, Chuck? Excited to get an interview going tonight. We we got a good one coming in. You do. You have a good guest for us tonight, man. Why don't you go ahead and introduce him? Yeah. Uh, uh, so our guest tonight's Lee Roberts. He, uh, I've known him for a pretty good while. We've known each other for a while now. I know his whole family, and he's just a great person. And, you know, for people who don't know him, he is a great person to talk to and just to get to know. Um, uh, the people who do know a little bit about Lee, you, you probably already know about his, uh, his athletic career he had at Southern Miss as a quarterback. He did a lot of great things and had some great players that he played with. And, Hopefully, we'll get to unpack some of that tonight. So, uh, Lee, you with us? I'm with you, man. Hey, appreciate you guys having me. Looking forward to spending this this next little bit with you guys. So, uh, really, really looking forward to it. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And fans, if he sounds familiar, <laughs> that's because he's one of our color commentators, too at uh our sporting events that's why if you don't know if you don't know lee's face you know his voice if you're a golden eagle fan so for sure uh, excited to have you on lee this will be a fun night tonight and, and and most people won't know my face just because you know in my, in my playing days you know covered up with a face mask and then obviously you hear my voice um in, in my new role so uh that, that's okay as long as they can recognize my voice that'll be fine <laughs> that's right yeah. Lane, right. Lane and I like to say that we have the face for radio, man. So hey, uh, I'm right there with you. Well, <laughs> right there with you. Well, Lee, uh, welcome, man. We're so glad you're here. We usually start off with uh, some pretty generic questions that we like to ask all of our guests. And um, number one is, why Southern Miss, man? What made you choose Southern Miss? You know, Southern Miss, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things to this. So I'll just kind of unpack it here for you. You know, when I when I was in high school, I went to school, uh, high school in Pace, Florida, just, it's just North of Pensacola. And honestly, Southern Miss was the closest division one school, uh, to my hometown. And, uh, you know, it's not like I grew up a Southern Miss fan. Not like that was, you know, what I had dreamed of. Um, I really didn't know much about Southern Miss, but when it came down to it, it was the, the closest school to my hometown. And I knew it'd be an opportunity for, family and and friends to get to come watch but when when I was in high school I had the opportunity to I played three years on the varsity team two of those years I was actually the backup to Thad Busby who went on to Florida State and had a career at at, at Florida State so I, I say all that to say this I only had one year where I was a starter and so really going into my senior year wasn't a whole lot of recruiting done outside of you know, recognitions from different camps. I'd gone to, you know, several football camps. Uh, high school coach Mickey Lindsay had taken, 
you know, Thad, myself, other quarterbacks to the Bobby Bowden Quarterback Academy. Um, so we had done that several years. And so I really had gotten to know a lot of, you know, the Bowdens. And mm-hmm. honestly, I took a lot of unofficial visits to other schools. But when I was a junior in high school, I had a chance to come to Southern Miss as a fan with one of my high school teachers. And it was just an unbelievable experience. And again, not knowing much about Mississippi, and it really been the first time I'd ever stepped foot in the state, um, much less Hattiesburg. But man, just a, a great town, a great environment. And again, it really came back to convenience uh, for my family and, and, and really making the decision. I mean, it was easy, obviously, when Coach Bauer came into my home and you know, offered me a scholarship. And that's kind of another story in its in itself. And we can get to that a little bit later. But, you know, Southern Miss just really felt like home. When I came on my official visit, um, you know, met some met some teammates. Um, again, it just it felt like family. It felt like home. And uh, that's that's how I made Southern Miss my, my place. And for us geographically challenged people, where is Pace, Florida? What's that close to? So it's just north of Pensacola. So okay, you, so that is yeah. close. Yes, yeah, so if you're headed if you're headed to, to Sandestin, you're really not going to see, you know, Pace. Uh, you're going to kind of bypass. There actually is a, a sign that has an exit to Pace. However, it's in Pensacola, but um, Pace is is right between Pensacola and Milton, Florida. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, uh, the second question, Lee, is what is your favorite Southern Miss moment? You know, I, I would say my my biggest moment that probably led to a lot of big moments was, you know, my first my first start, um, and I guess really just the the call to name me the starter. Um, you know, we were playing East Carolina in 1996, and you know, we, we were we were actually five and one on the year, had beat Georgia eleven to seven in just a, a shootout, an offensive shootout, if you will. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, we, we just were not doing great things offensively, and, and, mm. but it really said a lot of great things about our defense. And, uh, you know, got the, got the opportunity to, to get my first start there in 1996. And, you know, it was, it was just an, an interesting and surreal moment because that was really what I had, had really came to Southern Miss to do was to be the starting quarterback. And, you know, it took me, uh, I guess, two and a half years to really get to get that nod, but you know, so I, so I, my, my biggest moment obviously is just kind of getting that call to be the, the starting quarterback. And, you know, if you want me to go into kind of that, that I will, or we can save that for later as well. But, um, but again, that led to just many great moments here at Southern Miss though. That's I think awesome, we're man. unpacking that call. We're going to unpack yeah. that call with a question later. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Absolutely. All right, Lee. Well, I've got a couple questions too for you that we ask all our guests. What was your major? Uh, I majored in exercise physiology with a minor in psychology. And you know, the exercise physiology route. When I came to Southern Miss, I wanted to, I wanted to uh, do sports medicine, um, and then quickly realized that really couldn't do sports medicine being a, a football player because most of the hours that the athletic trainers had to do were really during football season, and so. I did get an emphasis in sports medicine, a minor in psychology. The psychology was just kind of a 
kind of a plus. I had enough psychology courses. I had to take had to take one more to get the minor. So that was just one of those things you do to get on your yeah. resume. Uh, can't can't say that I ever used my psychology minor at all. And and really my degree, I really don't either. Um, you know, I did do an internship in exercise physiology, but I thought I thought I wanted to go to physical therapy school and. When I got out of school, I decided to get into sales. So pharmaceutical sales is where I landed. I was hired by Pfizer in 1999, um, literally a month after I was uh, after I graduated from college. And I've been with Pfizer now for 21 years. I did wow. leave leave for a short time, um, and I've had a chance really to move all over kind of the southeast with Pfizer. It's kind of a funny story. My uh, my father in law had told my wife that you know she was hoping that he was hoping that she would never marry a military man and nothing is a military man. We, you know, we appreciate, uh, military folks for serving, but you know, just the fact that he's afraid, you know, if you marry a military guy, you get to move, you have wow. to move all over the country. And, you know, here I wasn't a military guy, but I took her all over the Southeast anyway. So just, it, it is what it is, but yeah, pharma, pharmaceutical sales is, uh, is, is where I am. Like I said, 21 years experience, um, doing that. I did leave for a short time and sold medical devices. But yeah, sales is kind of what I've done since college. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. And you're married with four boys, right? Yep. Four boys. Trying to make sure I didn't leave one of them off there. They yeah, can't do that. <laughs> enough, they would be guy. mad. I would get a text from one of them after the yeah. show if I got the number wrong. <laughs> and I can't, can't leave out my daughter-in-law. So I've got a daughter-in-law now as well. So. Oh yeah, no doubt. And that's the daughter-in-law you got now. That is as of what about a month ago? Yeah, May fifth. Yeah, or May sixth. May fifth or sixth. You see how my memory is already. But uh, <laughs> yeah, Brennan. Yeah, Brennan and Lexi tied the lot tied the night in early May. We'll just say that. There you go. So a month and a Good half. Good deal. Good deal. And you, uh, you know, you mentioned. And the next question is, what are they doing now? We kind of unpack that. But uh, one other thing, you, I know you do a lot with Optimus Park, don't you? And you and your wife are very involved at Temple. Uh, yeah, you know, I've, you... I, I, probably, I probably have a lot of jobs that I'm involved with that it, it's really unpaid jobs. But, you know, <laughs> I, I, do, I do love to volunteer and to, to give back. And, yeah, so I'm, I'm involved in the uh, Optimus Park, which is called OGAA, Oak Grove Athletic Association. Served as a president for a short time, been on the board for many, many years. And, you know, like I said, just kind of kind of giving back. And then obviously my wife's on staff at Temple. And, you know, so I served, served there as well in preschool. That's awesome, man. We appreciate all the all the stuff you do for this community, man. You you and your wife and your family's been a fixture in Hattiesburg. So sure. we appreciate I, I appreciate that. that. I, I don't know if I'll hang on to the uh, OGA board until – all the Brady's come through, but we'll, uh, we'll, 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 we'll hang for a while. So Mason's not, he's not that far off. He's, no, he's getting started a little bit. <laughs> All right. Well, chill. We, well, guys, we asked for some more questions from you, some more fan questions, and we got some more, uh, some more listener interaction and some more people asking some questions. Chuck, you got a few of them you were going to ask, right? I do, and uh, I'm a little nervous to ask this first one, but I'm going to do it. This is from listener uh, Greg Cook. Uh, he said, ask him if he's busted out the front of a golf cart windshield lately and if they made him pay for it. So uh, 
Is that you a know, story you could share with us? Uh, story. Well, I'll, well I'll, <laughs> I'll answer your question, then I'll kind of elaborate on it a little bit. But no, I have not broken any more golf cart <laughs> windows since college. Um, okay. I can't say I may not have hit a roof of a house once or twice since then, but <laughs> I, I don't think I've broken any uh, any windows and I've had to pay for anything else. But, you know, uh, you guys may not remember van hook golf course but that was the mm-hmm. university golf course and you know what what a fixture it was for you know guys that would go to college you know late 80s early 90s late 90s you know me being one of those that had an opportunity to play golf through college and you know a lot of memories out there on the on the golf course and you know um and and, and yeah one of those memories is you know busting out a golf cart window and I was actually not even the a driver of a cart that day. Actually, when I played it, when I played at Van Hook, I actually would walk and carry my clubs and, you know, use it a little bit of, as exercise as well. Yeah. So getting ready to tee off, uh, one of the guys playing with us had actually parked his cart, you know, kind of up in front of us, if you will, on the cart path. And you know, I've I've always been able to hit a golf golf ball pretty well um, as far as you know, been able to hit it. Now being accuracy, I can't say that I've always been that accurate. Um, but, but driving, I'm usually pretty, pretty good. I can usually keep it somewhat in the fairway, but just pulled it a little bit this time and, uh, indeed hit the, hit the windshield of the golf cart. And it's kind of one of those things. It's like, man, I'm walking and I'm just broke a windshield of a, of a golf cart and I've got to pay for it. So, um, Anyway, you, I guess you, you're never never too safe on a golf course. You're never too safe on that. Look, you, you do better. I can't even hit a golf ball, man. Like, I just, I, 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 I tear up the green so much. It's crazy. To bust out the windshield on a golf cart, you had to have ripped it, Lee. Like, I've hit golf carts before while I was playing, but I've never busted a windshield. You had to have ripped that ball. Well, I'll say this. I get I get my money's worth. Uh, I love playing in scrambles, and I love to be the yeah. last guy to, to tee off if we have one, you know, safe, because I do like to try to get my money's worth. But, you know, the older I get, uh, uh, probably the less hard that I need to swing. And, you know, again, golf's that game. You don't have to technically swing hard, but, you know, I like to for, for whatever reason. But that day I did. I hit, I hit it about as solid as I could, and sure enough, it, it hit the windshield about as solid Connected as it could as well. Yeah. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> that velocity all that golf ball did some damage i got you man you know the, well, in, in this in this day and age the way you can track things man you know the exit exit velocity i'd love yeah. to know what that exit velocity would have been you know it might have been a little more uh worth it then we went to vegas and my nephew wanted to go to it's not it, it's not top golf but it you hit on like a computer like you yeah. hit a real golf ball and like it measures how far it would have went and all that stuff. And I look like a fool up in that place, y'all. <laughs> I'm glad people were drinking because maybe that's the only thing that saved me from getting made fun of. I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, all right. Um, I, I hope I'm saying this name right. Marchant? Yeah, Marchant Kenny. Yeah, yeah Marchant Kenny has a few questions. Uh, number one, have you ever met anyone more intimidating than TJ Slaughter? TJ Slaughter, man, what a stud. You know, obviously people that know Southern Miss football know, you know, we, we have been a defensive school, you know, for some time. And obviously we've had an era where offensively we've been pretty good. But, you know, defensively, you know, especially back when Coach Bauer was here, just was able to recruit 
you know, some, some guys that were just, they looked apart and really de- developed and became great players. TJ Slaughter being one of them, I could go for days and, and talk about others as well. But man, as far as somebody being in more intimidating, I don't, I don't know, to be honest with you. I mean, here you look at a guy that, you know, solid as a brick. He's got the coolest color eyes you could ever imagine. <laughs> But those eyes could just stare you down, and you know, yeah, could could scare Stared you to death. Soul. And, yeah, yeah. It's funny. I, uh, you know, TJ obviously is short for something, right? Um, and, and I think I, I think I know his name, what TJ stands for. And so I was telling him, I guess this was last year, maybe the year before. I was like, man, I'm gonna start calling you by your full name. And he looked at me in straight face as he could, <laughs> like, no, you're not. No. I'm okay. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, I won't. Yeah. It's going to be TJ. <laughs> Whatever you say, sir. <laughs> Whatever. Gotcha. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hey, he just, again, one of those guys that you're glad he's wearing the same color uniform as you because, um, you know, fortunately I didn't get hit too many times at practice. They tried to protect us a little bit, but man, I felt, uh, felt very sorry for opposing uh, running backs and quarterbacks for sure. So what a, what a stud, man. He, what a, what a good guy. And for Marchant to talk about how intimidating he is, that speaks a lot, a lot of who he was too. Because Marchant himself, oh man, he, yeah, he didn't mind laying the lumber on people either back in the day. And that just again, that just goes to show you just the the track record of you know one the linebackers that you know we have produced and guys that have gone on and played in the NFL. And uh, I mean, you you could think of any area on defense. I mean, we've had studs come through there that. It's like, man, if, if the portal would have been, the transfer portal would have been what it was now, then you wonder how many of those guys would have tried to leave or, you know, hey, I felt like the culture we had was really, really good. So maybe maybe not. Maybe we could have kept those guys. But, yeah, I mean, Marchant just – we could put his name right up there in the middle of, you know, some of the greatest guys to ever wear the black and gold, um, you know, defensively especially. Well, it, it's funny you mentioned because this next question is kind of about Marchant. Uh, he said, "Do you ever get distracted by the size of Marshant Kenny's neck roll?" Neck roll, I, man. I always thought that was two two sets of shoulder pads he was wearing. You know, I thought it was a. I thought he had on his regular set of shoulder pads, and I thought it was an extra set on an top. Extra set. You know, uh, absolutely. And, you know, again, you, you think back to you know days when we we're growing up, and I can remember guys wearing you know hand guards and forearm pads mm. and all this stuff, and. Yeah, those neck rolls, man, were were very impressive, and you know, cowboy collars, all this different stuff, and you know, you wonder now why why some of these guys don't wear it, but you know, it seems like we tried to wear more, but guys these days, it seems like they're wearing less. Man, I look at you know some of the shoulder pads some of these quarterbacks are wearing. I'm like, man, I wouldn't right. be caught in that. I mean, right. you get hit one time and get folded up, but. Yeah, back to back to your question though, Marchant's neck roll, super impressive. So, um, Marchant, that's uh. Yeah, I hope you have that, you know, as a statue. I hope it's hanging somewhere in your house, man. Just a, what, what a, uh, <laughs> a tribute. I may, I may have yeah. to just look back at some some pictures again to get a look at that neck roll, man. It was sure. it was big. <laughs> you can't we can find one too. Yeah, you can't absolutely. wear a neck roll and not lay people out on a football field either. Like no, they didn't you're, just you're give exactly those out right. to the scrubs; they gave them out to like the. You know, like I remember back whenever, and I didn't, you know, I wasn't the caliber to play Division One football, but I remember back playing high school ball. If I saw a dude walk out there in an neck roll, I just assumed he was yeah, going to pack just, a punch whenever he hit me. <laughs> you yeah, know, you're exactly right. 
Marshan, he looked and, like a monster in that thing, man. Man, he was. He was. So, and a guy that could that could move and could, like you said, lay the leather. You know, plug a hole, hurt some opposing team teams. What a uh, what a ball player, man. For sure, man. Uh, his last question is: Have Lee tell some good stories about his first start against East Carolina in '96? It was a Thursday night primetime ESPN game. Uh, he says that you were amazing in that game and won the starting job and never looked back. You know, as I think back to 96, I mean, and obviously that could have been, you know, one of my greatest moments. I mean, it is one of my greatest moments, but as I said, just to, you know, have the opportunity to, to get that call to be the starting quarterback. And again, you know, we were five and one when when I took when I took over. Maybe four and one. It may have been the sixth game of the year, but regardless, our only loss was to Alabama that year. And um, you know, we were, we were playing in in Conference USA. So I mean, back in in really some of the thick of some of the greatest teams in yeah. Conference USA. You know, but Southern Miss right there in the middle of it as well. But again, just uh, you know, not a great offensive production for the year. And coaches decided, hey, it's it's a time to make a make a decision. So, you know, it was interesting. I had and, and obviously it, it everything builds on something. I mean, you just don't get a call and you're the guy. I mean, you obviously have to practice well. You have to perform well. And, you know, it's it's going through summer drills. It's going through fall camp. It goes through the following spring. You know, I was on campus for, I guess, about three months, maybe. And. Tommy Waters was the starter. That was my true freshman year. And they named Heath Graham the starter right after that. And I'm thinking, man, Heath is a year ahead of me. I'm going to be sitting again, just like I was in high school. And, you know, that was kind of like my mentality. I, I didn't want to sit any longer. And, and it just it just made, made me work. And, um, you know, Coach John Thompson, one of the defensive coordinators, um, he was there when I was there. I mean, I would go against him and his scout team all the time and you know just the the best of the best and they could do nothing but but make me better and so that was that was my plan is um you know to try to get better each and every week and there was times where I was frustrated obviously because you know when I came to Southern Miss I came to to be that starter and it just didn't didn't work out in year one didn't work out in year two and you know my third year which was my redshirt sophomore year is when um, things started to go my way and so I get a call from Norman Joseph um he wanted me to come see him in his office. And like I said, it was 1996. We're four and one on the year. We're uh, approaching an open week before a Thursday night uh, game against East Carolina. And, and C- Coach Joseph calls me in his office and, you know, shares the news that, you know, he and Coach Bauer have, you know, thought this through and uh, it's time time to make a change. And, um, you know, if you ask Coach Bauer today about that, he got a lot of heat from it because we had this all-American JUCO guy named Chris Winder on the bench and everybody thought that he was going to be the guy that would, would get the nod. But instead coach Bauer, you know, names me and coach Joseph names me the starter. And um, as Marshan said, I mean, kind of the, the rest was history. I mean, I, I wanted to make sure that, you know, I did well, you know, but I, I felt like, again, everything that I had had worked for was starting to come, um, come together to me, but, and, and guys like Marshan, I mean, just all kind of different teammates rallying around me that, that week and a half before that, the start of that game, I can just, I could, I could just sense that, Hey, this team is going to rally behind me no matter what. And, 
sure enough, things went really well. You know, a, a great win against East Carolina, um, a couple of touchdown passes to Kendrick Lee. And, you know, again, you're, if you're going to be a great coach one day, you have to surround yourself with great coaches. Well, I was able to surround myself with great teammates and great athletes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all I had to do was put a ball in a certain area and let them do the rest. And, um, and hopefully we'll get a chance to talk about some of the, you know, offensive studs that I played with, but, you know, one that, that night in East Carolina was uh, Kendrick Lee. Um, and, and what, what made again that night, even that much more special was, you know, my parents, my sisters, my wife, her family, and I was married at the time. Uh, they all got to make that trip to Greenville, North Carolina. And that's, that's not an easy place to get to. Um, no, it's not. You know, I don't know if it was 15, 16 hour trip for them, but it was, uh, it was a long, long road trip. I can remember being back home in my apartment, in the bed, my wife calling me and they had not made it out of the state of North Carolina. Just, wow. uh, yeah, it just kind of shows you that, um, you know, it, it was, uh, they, they went through a lot of sacrifices and, Absolutely. you know, again, just kind of attribute a lot of my success to just, uh, you know, supporting my family and friends and teammates and, and that kind of stuff. But, um, 1996 was a, was, was a great year. It was a year we got married and a year I got my, my first start. So it was first super start. cool. That was a good year there, man. It was, it was. All right. And then I have a, a couple listener questions for you too. These come from Austin Spites. Uh, I know him. He's a big Southern Miss fan. Austin asked, the first question he asked was, what was the loudest place you played? Man, the loudest place I played, and I've played in some big-time college stadiums. Um, I, I would have to say the loudest was probably in the Swamp in 1997. They won the national championship in 1996, and we opened up at the University of Florida in 1997. And, man, you talk about a loud place, a rough place to go into as a as an opponent. I can remember the, the bus ride in, just the – the blue and orange just everywhere. And, you know, the Swamp back then, I mean, it, it wasn't the, the biggest stadium that I had played in. Actually, the University of Tennessee in Knoxville was the largest stadium. Um, but to me, the Swamp was just that much louder. You know, just being that bowl-shaped stadium kind of right there on top of the field, um, man, it was, it was an experience. And, you know, when you play in places like that, you have to – have to kind of use their energy sometimes because, you know, obviously their crowd will out drown out any crowd that you have. Um, you just kind of, kind of have to kind of feed off of it. But, you know, we didn't win that game, but we played, we played pretty well, but um, yeah, Florida was a very, very loud place. And, and, it, and it was a special place to me. Uh, I'd gone to watch, you know, games in high school there just kind of being recruited, but um, it was a neat, a neat place to go back to. Very cool. Very cool. How'd you, did y'all have to change up the cadence or how you communicated going into that game or did you just kind of have to power through it and do your best? You know, there was times, I mean, we would have hand signals, especially out wide, but you know, as far as cadence, just to, to the line of scrimmage, just tried to, tried to make sure that, you know, I was yelling as loud as I could. And uh, obviously the offensive line, just watching the ball, you know, just making sure the, the center knows I'm there and, you know, if he can't hear me, make sure I'm giving him a little, um, just little, little pressure for the snap. But you know, again, you just tried, just tried to adapt. We didn't do a whole lot of shotgun stuff then, unless it was, you know, second and long, third and long. And then it was just more of a, you know, just the, the leg kick. But, um, yeah, it, it, it does play part. Um, it, 
it makes things very, very difficult at times. So having to use hand signals out wide to your receivers was what we had to do. I got you. And then Austin's second question was, what was the most fun game you ever played in? Man, the most fun game was the Liberty Bowl win in 97. And, I mean, again, that was that was just probably one of my all-time favorite memories of, of Southern Miss. Um, again, just, you know, we went in and, you know, we we had some unfinished business from the prior year. So, 1996, we were, uh, we were co-champs of the conference. Only one um, team in the conference actually got to go the, to a bowl game. And um, Houston beat uh, – beat us in Houston that year. So they went to the bowl game. So the, the next year uh, we won it outright. We actually beat Houston on our home turf to get the Liberty Bowl bid. Uh, we take a, you know, we take a team and, you know, a bunch of fans to Memphis, Tennessee and play there in the Liberty Bowl in 1997, man. And we just, from start to finish, it was just so much fun. From the time we run out of the tunnel to see all the black and gold and a cold night to a cold New Year's night there in Memphis, but man, just some some memories, and you know, if you guys don't know the score of forty-one to seven, there actually was uh-huh. a a print made of that game, um, and we man, we scored on offense, we scored on defense, we scored on special teams, and you know, get, go back to Marshan. I mean, that parts the parts of the year there were times where Lee Co- Lloyd Corso had kind of gone against us, and you know, after that game. You know, I remember Marshan saying, not so fast, my friend, not so fast, my friend. <laughs> uh, you know, so just, uh, it was just, man, you ask anybody in that era um, that was on that team, their favorite moment, I think, you know, winning that, that Liberty Bowl was uh, the tops for sure. Oh, yeah, there's been a, I feel like there's been a lot of photos printed and stuff like that from that game. That was the Pittsburgh game, wasn't it, where we beat them so bad? Yep, yep, we beat them forty-one to seven. So yeah, it was, and again, I just, it, was, it was one of those it was one of those games where, um, you know they 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 thought that they were coming in and were just going to wax over little Southern Miss, and it just it just didn't happen. Like I said, we smashed them in the mouth from the get go. Uh, we made plays on offense, we made plays on defense, as well as special teams. And you know, if you want to, if you want a total win, a total team win, that'll go down as one of the, one of the greatest. Yeah, and I feel like that was kind of a defining win for our program, too. Just a, a you know, big moment. You know, it really was. I mean, because we did. We won the conference outright, and then you go down and you just dominate the Liberty Bowl. You know, obviously a lot of things had happened that year. That was the year Coach Bauer's daughter was uh, killed in a car wreck. So, you know, a lot of emotion on our team. And guys just really, like I said, wanted to finish the unfinished business from the year before. And, that was kind of our motto, and you know, I think we did it. We did it with, uh, you know, with strong fashion as well. Very good. So, Lee, uh, that's it for the listener questions. Now, Chuck and I, we have some questions we wanted to ask you. I think Chuck's going to go first and go through some of his with you. So, Chuck, take it away. Okay, Lee. You know, you were, uh, I guess, a freshman in '95, right, at Southern Miss. Yeah, so I, I actually graduated high school in '94. So my first year on campus was '94. I was red, I was redshirted. I got um, okay. did, didn't didn't play a snap in '94. So my first year on the field, yes, was 1995. So that was the last year Southern Miss was uh, independent, and then you entered uh, CSU CUSA. You know, we'll, we'll talk right. about that later. But uh, with teams <laughs> like Cincinnati, Louisville, Louisville, Memphis, 
what was it like entering into that conference? And then what are your thoughts on Southern Miss switching conferences again? You know, so in 95, we were, we were in the, uh, I don't know if they called it conference USA Alliance. I'm not sure if that was the terminology, but basically it was, it was, the conference had not formed. So yeah, we were still independent. Um, we had not formed, but we had a bowl tie-in. East Carolina beat us at home and went to the Liberty Bowl from that 95 year. And then, like I said, in, in 96, we fell a little short to Houston. Houston um, won the conference that year. We were co-champs, but they got to go to the Liberty Bowl. And then in 97, we won it outright. You know, so it did It's kind of all built built up a little bit. And, you know, when we finally really did hit our stride there in you know, 96 and 97, but, you know, I felt like Conference USA, you know, when Conference USA was formed, Mike Slive was, you know, the, the commissioner and just what a fabulous job that, that he did. And then he went on to do some great things in the SEC as well. And, you know, again, it just really starts with, with leadership and, and you're right. I mean, some of the teams that, that were in Conference USA, obviously, you know, Memphis, you know, that was kind of our rival. We played them, you know, last game of every year, um, Tulane, you know, 105 miles down the road. I mean, what a what a great rival as well. And then then teams like East Carolina, they, it was always a battle. Louisville, where they were great offensive minded teams as well. Plus, and then Cincinnati. I mean, just yeah. teams like that. Houston, uh, just a a lot of great teams in Conference USA. And and you just look back at the caliber of teams that we used to play. Um, man, just some some unbelievable, unbelievable players and and teams and coaches and organizations and and I, I just I really felt like that was the right place for Southern Miss at the time and mm-hmm. you know now I feel like it's time to move on. I mean I think I think every uh every season you know every, not every football season but kind of every season of life there's there's going to be change and you know I feel like for Southern Miss right now the the change is is very, very bright, you know, moving into the Sunbelt Conference. And, you know, I think uh, I think I saw something posted that, you know, Coach Will Hall and his staff have the number one recruiting class in uh, the Sunbelt right now. I mean, and that's just that's just Im- impressive. Very and I impressive. feel like I feel like Southern Miss is, is just going to fit right back in, you know, kind of like we did in Conference USA back in 1996 and through the years that we were in Conference USA. I mean, obviously, it, it was a great conference, you know, it, it's a it's a a good separation, I hope. But like I said, I think it's going to be a bright future in the Sun Belt for many many reasons. You get to you get to renew some some old um, rivalries, and it's not just a rivalry now; it's a it's a conference rivalry. You know, right. So look, looking at you know South Alabama there in Mobile, Troy. I mean, it's going to be this conference where you know we're able to to drive and we're able to take fans and uh, hopefully make home games on other people's campuses. I hope that's what we can do as, as Southern Miss. That's, that's the goal, you know, going to Lafayette, going to Monroe and, you know, showing up with just as many fans as they do. I think that's just going to, it's going to be fun to watch. And, That'll be big. you know, and I'm really looking forward to this football year with coach Will Hall as well, trying to get this thing back turned, but, but no, I'm, I'm excited for sure about uh, the Sun Belt. I, I don't know really any of the leadership in the Sun Belt. You know, I've seen in press conferences, um, but talk with you know our athletic director Jeremy McLean. Um, he just said that they it's a top notch leadership, and you know he, he's he's excited. I'm excited. I think most of the fans are as well. I think I agree completely. We are very excited. Um, 
speaking of Will Hall, uh, have you ever thought about coaching, man? You know, I, I have. Um, you know, there's times where I, I could actually see myself coaching just because of the love for the game. But, you know, it's – it's not an easy profession, and I, you know, I want to say that first. I mean, those guys, they work their tails off, and you know, they sacrifice a lot. Their families sacrifice a lot, mm-hmm. um, and, and you know, for whatever reason, coaching has kind of gone the way of, you know, working late, getting up, working early, and you having to miss a lot. But I, I truly feel like, you know, and to talk again about Coach Wilha, I truly feel like he's such a family man, and and not that other coaches aren't, but he just, I think he, I think he gets it. Um, not, not saying that I'm going to go coach. That's not what I'm saying, but, right. um, you know, I just, I just felt like, um, you know, I, I really wanted to be there more for my kids and I want to try to coach my kids in in their youth sports. Mm-hmm. And, and that was what I was able to do. Um, I was able to coach my kids in youth baseball, uh, a little bit in basketball. Um, two of them, two of my four played, um, a couple years of football growing up, but not much. So, um, I don't really have a football player in the family. Um, my third son did play this past year, one year in high school, and he's going to go back to basketball this season. But, um, you know, so the times I was able to coach my kids, it, it was fun. Even the few short years on the football field with them was uh, was was a lot of fun. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I really have thought about coaching, but it just uh, it, it wasn't the route that I needed to take. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Well, uh, we'll say with the coach, what was it like playing for Jeff Bauer? You know, if I could just describe Coach Bauer, I mean, he was he was basically, you know, my dad away from home. And, you know, you could just sense, you know, his love for, for me, for my family, for all my teammates. I mean, you could just sense how much he loved and cared for each other. And, and it really, you know, went back to, again, the time that he sat in my living room talking to me and my parents. And and, and that's really what, it, what it's about. I mean, when you're in front of these parents – been able to sell yourself as a coach as well as a program because I was a guy that really had never left home ever, you know, and then I pack up and moved to Hattiesburg, a place that, you know, was a foreign land, if you will. I mean, obviously not far, but um, had only been there twice um, in, in my time before I actually had moved, uh, moved away. And, you know, so, so my parents and I both put a lot of faith and trust in, in Coach Bauer, and, and he lived up to every bit of it. And, again, it just it trickled down to all of his coaches' staff, um, you know, and then the kind of players he recruited. Man, just a, a class act and a solid guy. And um, just, again, he was, he was my dad away from home. And uh, a, lot of, a lot of great talks, a lot of great laughs, um, some serious times, obviously, but a good, good guy for sure. You know, I don't, I don't know Coach Bauer um, all that well, but it seems to me, you know, hearing the way you describe him and some, the way some of these other players describe him, it seems to me that he and you know Scott Barry have that same kind of character where they really invest in the, and in the, the you know the athlete and the student and the person on and off the field. That it's not just about production on the field. That he cares about what's going on in your personal life and your family life. Um, would you agree with yeah, that? Yeah, I, I would one one hundred percent, one hundred percent. You know, and that was why I, I kind of described him as my dad away from home. Right. I mean, because he he treated everybody like they're they were his kids, and um, you know, of course his his girls, Kristen and Stephanie, were around the program, and you know, so got to got to know them, and and of course, uh, you know, Kristen's passing, but 
Stephanie has a, a bunch of kids. I think she, they they have four kids, and you know they're around Southern Miss. I see them all the time at, at baseball and basketball and football events, and you know, so just a, a trickle down. Matter of fact, I think I think his grandkids actually call him Coach. I think that's what they call that's him, hilarious. which is that's which is really really cool. I mean, it's just what a what a fitting what a fitting name. But uh, again. Yes, he does. He has that mentality where he really loves for his players. He he loves the game. He cares about him. Wants to see him develop on and off the field. He cared about us going to going to class. He made sure we were in class. I mean, that was that was important because he knew that you know if we weren't you know student athletes first, we weren't going to be athletes at all. So you had to sure. had to be a student athlete. Um, you know, and 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 really back when Coach Bauer was coaching, I can't think of many head coaches that were actually position coaches as well. I know Coach Will Hall is. You know, but uh, there just there weren't many. It didn't seem like, but Coach Bauer was a wide receivers coach, and man, he got right right down there with those wide receivers, and man, developed some great ones. So, hats off to to a great coach. That's awesome, man. My last question is kind of going to be a, a two part question, so I hope I don't confuse you. All right. All right. Um, so, you know, you, you had a great supporting cast like Derek Nix at running back, and uh, Gideon and Pinkston at wide receiver. Um, how much confidence did that give you uh, when you were making a play? And on the flip side of that, you know, the nasty bunch was kind of taken off at that point. If you were to make a mistake, how confident were you that, you know, Thomas and Sertan could go out there and get the ball back for you? You yeah, man, 100% confident. I mean, again, I, I, our, our team was kind of built around defense first. And, mm-hmm. you know, it just it says a lot about, Coach Bauer, because I mean, he was an offensive-minded guy, but yet he was fine knowing that we had the nasty bunch type defense out there, and you know, just the the coordinators he had, and obviously the talent he brought in. They did. They got they got back many uh, second chance opportunities for us offensively. But you know, we were fortunate. We did. We had some some studs out wide, and you know, but it but it really starts up front. I mean, if if I can't stand in the pocket, if I can't be protected by the by the big five up front. Then you know I don't care how good we are out wide or how good a running back is. So it really starts there, and and that's what makes football such a good game. I mean, you know you you've watched you know the College World Series. I mean you've watched a pitcher dominate, um, you know. But on the football field, it really takes eleven guys. If one guy messes up or makes a mistake, it could cost it could cost them the game. It could cost them a possession. It could cost them the ball. Um, you know, but being a team team sport, I mean, it did. It took every it took every eleven players working together. So I, I said all that to say this that it, it really started up front. So I was very fortunate to have some some good friends and some great offensive linemen uh, protecting me. And wow, did they did they ever? I took some I took some shots. Some of them were probably my fault. I wasn't the <laughs> the, the, the speediest guy out there. wasn't able to uh, get away from a little bit of stuff. But uh, I was able to stand in the pocket majority of time and uh and deliver deliver balls down the field and yeah so then it had to be had to be guys getting open i mean it was it was shrod gideon it was todd pinkston eddie shaw i mean you can't can't forget about eddie shaw i mean Mm -hmm. my junior and senior year i had three guys that were you know big time big time wide receivers and and any one of those guys i had confidence in and i know shrod gideon probably had the the better years of those guys you know, Pink ended up going and having a, a superb NFL career. And then, like I said, Eddie Shaw ended up playing in, uh, you know, one of the arena leagues. He was the kind of the, the preferred fa- uh, player for, for the team. And, 
just a, a lot of talent. And then, and then in the backfield, you mentioned Derek, Derek Nix. I had, mm-hmm. had, uh, Harold Shaw, which was Eddie's brother, had Eric Booth, you know, some, you know, some local Mississippi talent that were, that were behind me. And, and we were a team that, you know, we wanted to establish the run. So we had great running backs, uh, but we, we weren't afraid to throw it as well. But there were times where we didn't have to throw it so many times. And so we were able to be successful running it. So again, it's credit the offensive line and uh, just skill guys around me. Absolutely. Yeah. When you have a, a offensive line, uh, you know, your quarterback's only as good as your offensive line. I mean, That's I think right. be the first, yeah, first to say that. All right, Lane, I think you got a few questions for him, man. I don't want to hog all the time. I do. Uh, so, Lee, we mentioned earlier about you, about your family and your sons, and you mentioned how they they play sports. You don't really have a football player right now right. in the family, but well, you did say one of them played last year. I do remember Bentley played last year, right? Yeah, he so, did. He did. He he just he decided he he wanted to play, and and again, I don't. You know, I look at the I look at the Mannings, and you kind of see all those guys and. And it, and it seems like one of them has always kind of been in Archie's footsteps. And and I don't know if this was even part of my kids' thought process or not, or if they just truly didn't like the game. I really don't know. But um, I, I didn't I didn't force the issue. If they wanted to play, I would support them. I'd help them be you know, the best they could be. And um, they chose other sports. And so I chose that with them. Again, I, I, wanted, I wanted them involved. Um, you know, but I was, I was there to support him as, as dad, as coach, as fan, whatever, whatever it took to try to try to make them be the best they could be. Did, did I, did I kind of take your oh, question yeah. away from here? Did- <laughs> oh, no, you're, you're good. No, my question really is, and, and, you know, obviously, uh, you had said, I think all of them played baseball. If I remember correctly, Blake was a big basketball yeah. player. Um, yeah. You know, you've had a lot of sons who, or you've had a lot of sons who either have played or are currently playing sports. As a former right. successful athlete, what all were you able to instill in those guys? You mentioned you were able to support them and kind of be the guy you were supposed to be. Were there lessons you were able to pass down to them? Some things from whenever you played that you learned. You know, I was I was never the most talented kid, and I tried to make sure they knew that I had to work for everything and you know, that nothing was going to be handed to them. And, you know, and I can't say that they're the most talented either. Um, you know, there's things that, you know, they probably wish they had more. They probably wish they had more size, more height, a little more speed, you know, but they try to overcome that with other things. And, and again, I tried to show them and instill in them that, hey, hard work beats, you know, most guys. And I said, you, you can't take a, a, a week off. You can't take a day off. You have to keep working. And, um, my, my two that are at home right now that are, um, that are playing basketball or working hard. I mean, they're, they're killing it in the gym. They're killing it, you know, on the court, trying to get, trying to get better for this upcoming season. And, and, you know, I mean, honestly, I, I didn't really have to push my kids a whole lot. I was never that dad that said, Hey, let's go do this or let's go do that. It was usually, Hey dad, will you come throw the ball with me? Or will you come shoot basketball with me? Or will you do this? And, you know, so I, I I was able to take the approach supporting what they were wanting to do as opposed to kind of forcing something on them. I think too many dads and, and parents kind of live through their kids, but um, you know, I, I definitely tried not to, I try to take a step back and, you know, not to say uh, we didn't uh, butt heads at times, you know, but uh, my, my kids have always kind of 
seen the positive of sports and what it, you know, been been pretty successful as well. Good deal. Good deal. So my next question, I want to kind of steer us into the commentary uh, that you do now, steer us into that direction a little bit and kind of dig into that a little bit. So how did you end up doing commentary at Southern Mass? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, <laughs> you know, I was uh, I, I filled in two games for Oak Grove High School doing the color for radio. Kelly Sander was the was the play by play. Brad Bounds was the color um, for Oak Grove Radio. And uh, there was there were twice in a year where Kelly was out, and so Brad kind of moved over into the play by play seat and asked me to come fill in doing color commentary and. And I think it was, you know, one, I mean, he obviously knew I played the game and I knew the game. And um, at, at that point, I, I really didn't, I really never even envisioned being a, a radio commentator. Um, you know, but I said all that to say this, that, you know, after, after that season where I had called two games for Oak Grove Radio, um, that summer I'd gotten a call from John Cox and, John has said, hey, I just want to kind of put something in your ear. I want you to start thinking about something. He said, you know, Vic and I, Vic Purvis, who was um, who was the, my predecessor, he um, had called games for over 40 years for Southern Miss. He was a former player and then um, was a color commentary. He said, he said, I'm thinking, he said, I think Vic's probably going to retire. He may stay on one more year, but I think at least one is, is all. He said, so I want you to think about you know, if you'd be willing to take over. And again, at that point I was thinking, man, this is, this is going to be a tough task. I mean, I've only, only done this twice and here, I mean, you know, getting an opportunity for a division one football program. I'm like, man, this is, this is awesome. But truth be told, I mean, I, I kind of felt like I was away from the game of football. And so this really brought me back. And so it really didn't take me long to, you know, pick up the phone and let John know that I was 100% interested and so that, that upcoming year, I was able to uh, – the first game was at Mississippi State. I got to ride the bus up there and, you know, just kind of see how the game went as far as um, the radio booth goes. And then I was there for every home game and really didn't have any responsibilities during the game other than standing and, and watching. I, I did get the opportunity to do some some pregame stuff. Um, we'd, we we set a, had a table set up and did a couple segments of pregame out there right outside the hub. And so I had a, a little bit, but um, my, my first time stepping in the booth as the full-time color guy, I only had two games under my belt, honestly. And, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was somewhat nervous. <laughs> I don't, I don't remember how I did, but you know, people, people will tell me that, that I'm, I'm getting better. So I'm, that's positive. So I'm going to, I'm going to try to get better each and every year as well. But so that's kind of how it got started, man. Like I said, you know, uh, John and Vic had, had talked and said, hey, I want you to think about who you think would be good to replace you. And um, they both separately thought about me. And, um, you know, I was very, very fortunate that because kind of got me back into football and doing things for Southern Miss, which is which is fantastic. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. If you you and John ever go on vacation and uh, give me and Lane a call, we'll take over for y'all for one game. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. Hey, that's one thing John <laughs> is not going to do. Be careful he's, what he's you ask take a for. vacation. <laughs> yeah, he's not going to take a vacation and and uh, and miss a game. So, miss a game, right. Uh, right. yeah, it's 
That's just, uh, and I'm not going to take vacation and miss a game either. There so, you go. So you guys, you guys are out of luck. I'm sorry. Out of luck. That's fine. We'll stick to podcast. We'll stick to podcast. So, uh, so Lee, what's the easiest sport to call, in your opinion? You know, I, I would say the most natural would be football. Um, you know, so just for the listeners, so they know. So I do color commentary on the radio for football and then i've done play-by-play for espn and basketball and for baseball so there's a there's the three sports that i've done only one one on the radio so i've never done uh baseball radio i've i've done one game basketball radio um but i would just say probably football to me but just because it's it's the game that i've played the game that i know the most uh, and then obviously the color commentary, you just kind of, you just kind of talk about the game. Um, right. you know, but I think, but I think each, I think each sport is, is, has its own fun, if you will. I mean, there's so many great things about football. One is just, it's just my love for the game, but you know, basketball to me is, is fun too, just because it's so fast paced. I mean, you look up and it's like, man, it's halftime. And then yeah. you look up and it's like, the game's over. Where Where did this game go? I mean, um, you know, fo- football games are long, right? I mean, but man, oh, basketball, yeah. it, it really flies by. And, and so you feel like you're doing nothing but, but talking the whole game. And then had had the chance to do some, some baseball this year, which was, man, something else I can say I was able to do. And, um, man, what fun that was as well. Got to sit in the, the play-by-play seat and uh, call some games for Southern Miss as well. And, you know, that that to me is a little different because it's it's slower. And, again, TV games, you don't really have to talk as much because the the viewer has something to see as opposed to you telling them all by audio. Um, right. But each sport, man, each sport is is a lot of fun. If I had to give up one, you know, obviously I, I'm not giving up football. That's that's the one I love. <laughs> I, I don't know what I would want to give up, give up. To be honest, I think that's kind of like having to choose. You know, which of your kids are the are the are the favorite. <laughs> but my my kids, all my kids would would say uh, something different. But um so the easiest easiest to call is football for sure i got you i'm assuming each one probably has its own difficulties here and there with them is there one that's harder to call than the other ones in your opinion you know i think basketball it just because it's so fast paced you just you've got to be able to keep up and i mean you really have to know the roster um because you really don't have a chance to look down at any names um, one, when a basketball game is going and, and, and me as the play by play, I really don't really have a chance to even look at the monitor because if you look at the monitor, you just miss what happened. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, then, I didn't then, think about then, that. Yeah. And then, and then baseball, I mean, it's, it's just a slower game. It's, it's more of that relaxed atmosphere. So I think football, basketball is a little more uptight and tense. Baseball is a, a little more laid back, which is, which is fun in its own right. Right. Well, I, I'll tell you, you know, and I know you probably you work with the stat guys like Marty and all those mm-hmm. guys a lot, I'm sure. And I, I help out some for football season on that. So I know a little bit about the process that goes with that. But for the listeners, can you let them know kind of what's the process that goes into a commentary? Like, how do you get the information that you get? How do you have these stats readily available? How are you able to, you know, I mean, I feel like commentators are always they got the right story at the right time to talk about what's right. going on in the game. Can you give us a little bit of insight as to the big 
Like, I remember the first game yeah. I ever went up there to help out Marty. I was blown away by the operation, just how much was going right. on up there that people don't think about. Could you give us a little snapshot, I guess, of what it's like whenever you yeah. call a game, the big operation going on? Yeah, absolutely. And, and obviously for John doing play-by-play, I mean, he, he prepares differently than, than I prepare. But, you know, it, you know, we're fortunate in, you know, Division One athletics to, to have a sports information staff that are able to put together game notes. And basically what that is is, you know, notes that they compile weekly. It includes statistics. It includes stories. It includes um, rosters. And, and we get those usually on um, the first day of the week from both schools. And, you know, so we're able to take that, and that's kind of how we, we study for each team. And obviously for Southern Miss, as you get into the season, you start to know those guys because you're calling the same same team each and every week. But each week you just have to learn the, the opponents, if you will. But, yeah, I mean, there's always great storylines and, um, you know, statistics-wise. As far as the the week, I mean, we try to, we try to meet with the coaches. Uh, I don't personally meet with, with the players. John will. He'll do some um, some radio interviews with the players and have some interviews ready for – for pregame and that kind of stuff. But we will, we'll, we'll usually meet with coach Will Hall at least once during the week and we'll meet with the defensive coordinator, Austin Armstrong as well. And, you know, sometimes it's, it's a, it's a, a short go over the game plan. Sometimes it's a little more in depth as far as really getting into our roster and talking about players and some of their strengths and things they'd like to see uh, them do. And, you know, so really it, it starts really for me, it's going to start, first part of August when I'm able to get out there and watch a little bit of practice and I really get to know some of these players. And like I said, of course, talk to some of the coaches and then, you know, throughout the week, man, you're just, uh, you're, you're studying, you're preparing, you're, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of different commentators will build a, a spotting chart, which will, which will give you names and numbers, maybe heights and weights and maybe different statistics. Of course, I, I'll take notes on my own and I'll have them readily available as well. So, um, you know, a lot, a lot goes in to get ready to call a game and really just the main thing is just to be prepared. You don't want to go in unprepared and, you know, try to be professional about it. And, you know, obviously people know that we're, we're Southern Miss, um, we're paid by Southern Miss, but we try not to be, you know, too much pro Southern Miss. It's, it's fine to get a little excited, um, for the Golden Eagles, but again, it's, it's a broadcast that maybe even other listeners are listening to, but. Um, you know, obviously everybody does know that Southern Miss is our team, so it's fine in that regard. Now on the, on the flip side, the other, the other two sports you do, you have to be kind of right down the middle of the road. But, um, like I said, we're, we're fortunate to have supporting cast, of sports information. Jack Duggan does a, an excellent job. You know, obviously working with John is, is super good. Bo Morgan is our uh, guy on the sideline. And of course, Joe Bryant does a lot of spotting for us. And, you know, you'll hear John call him our statistician not not a lot of times he has has to do things as far as stats go but um because we, we use a program called stat broadcast we usually get live stats up to date throughout the game um so that's kind of the kind of the start to finish as far as uh, how the week will start and then uh, finish with the game man once you get to the game it's game on it's uh your preparation is over and you watch and call and have fun hopefully oh yeah Absolutely. And uh, I got two questions left for you here. Um, One of them here, I always like to ask our guests, 
Do you have any, I know you've shared several really cool stories. Do you have any funny stories from either playing or commentate or, or giving commentary that you'd like to share with us? Any funny stories you'd like to share with the listeners? I always love hearing these from people. You know, we, we as a radio crew, we've gotten really, really close. So I've, I've been doing it for seven years. I think Bo Morgan, 11 or 12. And of course, John, he's been doing this for 44 years, I think. Um, but man, we are a very close knit group and, and, and we pick on each other. We have a good time. Obviously our days start early on game days and they end late on game days. We have a lot of time and, um, you know, but there's, so when we get together, it's a, it's a lot of laughing, laughing. And unfortunately I wasn't part of this story, but this is kind of one of those funny stories that, you know, we always bring up, but they we actually were playing at army. Um, uh, and I, I wasn't playing either, but our radio crew, when they, they go to different areas, you know, have to sometimes get their own transportation just because we have to get to the stadium so much sooner than the team. And, um, and so we had, they had a driver, that had picked them up. And I think they were in like probably a five passenger small SUV, but um, had the driver and maybe somebody else. And then you had the radio crew. So about six or seven people piled in this um, little small SUV. And, you know, as they pull up to, to park, they hand them their media parking. And a guy looks in the car and he says, that's a heck of a lot of media, you know? So it's just kind (laughs) of, It's just one of those things, man. It's, you know, we don't know. Uh, we don't always ride in style. We don't always, um, you know, we, we do what we can to, to get the job done. But um, it's just one of those things that we always talk about. And anytime we have to pile in or sit in somebody's lap, headed somewhere for a, a short time, that's just one of the always things we say is like, man, that's a heck of a lot of media in that car. So, um, we may not ride in sure, style, sure. but we ride deep, huh? Y'all okay. got a bunch, yeah, we do. Y'all got we, a bunch of we, them. We're, we're, we're close, we're close knit, man. And, uh, and anytime we'd go to, you know, in the Texas area, we'd have a guy named Rod Wendell who'd pick us up and, you know, would take us to dinner and, um, you know, pick us up, take us to the games the next day. He would, you know, run and pick up food if, uh, if we ever needed, but, you know, just, uh, again, this is just an opportunity that I'm so very grateful for and thankful that, you know, I get to, I get to do it and, you know, hopefully I get to do it for, for many, many years. Like I said, Absolutely. this year, this year will be year eight. Oh, yeah. And then my last question, Lee, you mentioned uh, doing this commentary kind of got you back involved with football after being out a while. The game has evolved a lot from whenever you played. I I feel like it's evolved a lot from the 90s. Can you talk a little bit about the changes you see now that you have a unique perspective? You played in it in the 90s and now you're really, really in the middle of it the whole way. Can you give us a little insight as to how much the game has changed and more? what do you see that's different now uh, compared to whenever well, you, know, you played? You know, the, the easy answer is, you know, things are bigger, faster, and stronger. And, and it just seems like it's, it gets that way each and every year. And, um, you know, just how guys survive, you know, 12, 13, 14 game seasons is, is just, you know, it just baffles me, but you know, the game really has, has sped up. And Vic Purvis even said that when he finally retired from, from the radio booth, it just said the game has really sped up and, and it has, I mean, from, you know, the, the speed to how, you know, the, it's a fun and gun type offense. I mean, we weren't a team that, that lit it up all the time. I mean, there were times where I did throw it 46 times in a game. And then my first start, I threw it 16 times. So, 
Um, you know, but again, I don't think in the Will Hall system you're going to see us aired out all the time either. They want to establish the run. But, you know, I think the, the game has changed one by speed. I mean, just the, the speed of the players, the speed of the how fast things move. And, um, and if you're not, if you, if you're not watching, you're going to, you're going to miss something. Um, so I think that's probably how the, the biggest part this game has, has evolved is, is really just the, the speed of the game. And, you know, teams will, and, and it kind of hurts us as radio guys too, sometimes because they get to the line of scrimmage and get the next play rolling uh, so fast. So you really lose the opportunity to talk about, especially if there was a big play that had just happened, but, um, but indeed it's uh what a, what a fun game it is. And, uh, but no, it, it has changed. It has changed big time over the years. Yeah. I th- in my opinion, I feel like the shotgun, no huddle has just kind of mm-hmm. sold out to just putting up massive offensive numbers. And, you know, you played in an era where, well, you played in, y'all were a pro style offense. You were under center and in the gun, right? You were kind of both. Right. Yeah. So y'all yeah, played in a system that was and... different. You probably huddled, right? Didn't you huddle right. in the 90s? Yeah. So you did Absolutely. all that. It was a little bit slower. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you ever wonder, like, what numbers would I have put up if I was in this offense now? Does that ever cross your mind? I feel like it would cross mine. You know, I mean, obviously, I, I was very fortunate to have the career that, that I had. And, you know, at the time, you know, did did put up some big numbers and, um, you know, can't, can't take that away for sure, you know, but yeah, things have changed and, you know, but, but that's just the way, that's just the way the game is. I mean, every, every team has kind of adapted a, a new system as well. And so the miss is part of it as well, but, you know, hopefully, hopefully it'll yeah. change for the good and, you know, we'll get things back on track this year. That's what I'm hoping for. But, um, it, it has right, you know, in your own right, you know, yeah. you didn't play in that era where it was. People were trying to, I guess, break scoreboards with the speed they were going and, you know, all right. that stuff. But in your own right, you know, I've got the numbers pulled up here. I'm a numbers guy. I like looking at stats yeah. and stuff like that. I've got the stats pulled up. <laughs> For your career, you are seventh overall in passing yardage with 6,289 yards. You are tied for third with Brett Favre for most touchdowns with 52. And you're tied with Dustin Almond and Nick Mullins did it twice uh, for first okay. overall and most touchdowns in a single game, most passing touchdowns in a single game. You lit Louisiana and Lafayette up for five touchdowns in 98. So, okay, okay. you know, huh. your numbers, your numbers, even in whatever, you know, even in the different eras of football and stuff, your numbers were very impressive what do you what do you attribute all your success on the field to you talked a little bit about this earlier about your teammates and stuff like that but to what do you attribute this amazing career you were able to have here at southern miss that still has you in these record books and stuff to what do you attribute all that to you know i think it's just you know my mindset i mean i i just always have thought hey you know uh be be the best that you can be my dad had always taught me to give a hundred percent, no matter what, whatever I'm doing, give it my all. And, you know, that's just, that's just what I was able to do. And, you know, I was able to, to keep a focus during my time. I was able to, um, you know, really gel with my teammates, my wide receivers. I think that's just such a, a vital part is just having a chemistry with your wide receivers. I mean, Shrug Gideon and I 
I mean, we had, I mean, he, he knew what I was doing before I knew what I was doing sometimes. And, um, you know, it's just kind of the way we were and same thing with, with pink. I mean, but then you've got these guys that can, can make big plays. Sometimes my throw's not on target, but they were able to, uh, make a great play. And then sometimes I had to put it on a dime and they just were able to catch it, you know, but I just think, I think hard work, dedication, and really just staying focused and, you know, fit the task at hand and just kind of let the game come to you, man. You just, uh, I kind of took things as they came and never tried to get rattled and always tried to be even kill. So I thought some of those were some of the things that I had to do and um, those helped, helped me be somewhat successful. Very cool. That's awesome, man. I appreciate your time, Lee. This was a, this was a blast, man. I enjoyed talking man, it to was, you. It, it was good, man. It really was. So we'll uh, we'll, we'll have to do it again. It's it's we neat will. to talk about the have to talk about the past, man. It's uh, you know brings up a lot of good memories, and you know a lot of those memories you never want to you never want to lose. And you know, as soon, as soon as we hang up the phone, I'll start thinking about other memories as other well. Memories. I, I'd be like, man, I wish I we'd have talked about that. But you know, we'll think we of other questions think, too. So yeah, there you go. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll, have we'll hang up call. and start thinking of them. Yeah. I know you're exactly right. <laughs> well lee we thank you for coming on man uh lane you got anything else brother i think that's about it man we appreciate all you've done for the city of hattiesburg and for sure for southern miss and for this community man we appreciate all the all the sacrifices you make and all the efforts you put into it yeah absolutely man i uh i, I do love the i love the school love the university love the football program love all of athletics here at southern miss and and I do, I do love the city of Hattiesburg as well, and that's why we've made made that our home. And it's it's a great place to grow up, raise a family, and um, you know it helps having Southern Miss right there in your backyard too. For sure. Well, we thank you for coming on, man. And as always, thanks Pete Thaggard for making us sound and look good. Um, and until we talk to you next time, Southern Miss to the, to top. the top. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Everyday Eagles podcast. For Southern Miss fans, by Southern Miss fans. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit EverydayEaglesPodcast.com and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Everyday Eagles Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on the Everyday Eagles podcast. Touchdown!